what I believe the Lord wants to share with us today on the subject of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Last week, we introduced this study of the Holy Spirit with, with a very broad look at the Holy Spirit, and I focused fundamentally on the simple truth that the Holy Spirit is God. I actually got a text from somebody in the church last week, some, a long-standing member of the church, who texted me and said, I was, as I was listening to the message, it felt like I was hearing about the Holy Spirit for the very first time. I tell you, I love that. It is my prayer, it is my heart, it is my strong desire that as we walk through this, this Sunday morning teaching series on the Holy Spirit, that we will all grow in our knowledge and our love of, our, our appreciation and our experience, our ability to hear and follow the Holy Spirit, and that it will be meaningful and powerful for you in that way. And we began last week by reading together Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, and I want us to start there again today if we can. So as you're able, would you please stand with me in honor of the Word of God? And just to get us focused and moving, once again, we're going to read Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. I'll read the plain text if you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, and we'll walk through these two verses that way. So Matthew 28, beginning at verse 19, this is what the Bible says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My clicker's not working for some reason. Well, I'm going to need you to advance that for me. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. I spoke briefly last week about the great mystery and the reality of the Holy Trinity, that we worship one God eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as we begin today to consider the Holy Spirit, the, the subject of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus, we start with the reality that in some very real, some very profound, uh, some very powerful way, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Uh, um, all right, now it's working. Okay, fantastic. Uh, uh, um, uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, are one. Um, have I advanced past where I want to be? Or I'm so confused. Okay, all right, there we go. All right, fine. Uh, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there's only one God. Now, I can't explain how that works, but I am so incredibly grateful that it's true. Because listen. It is largely this Trinitarian reality that embodies and explains the remarkable love of God. Twice in 1 John chapter 4, the Bible says God is love. He created this world to share His love. For you and I to receive His love, to share that love back with Him, and then to spread it around and share it with others all around us. And all that love is rooted deeply in God's Trinitarian nature. Because He is three in one, God has always existed in love. Long before He created people, long before He created angels, God existed in love in the reality of the Trinity. The Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Spirit, the Spirit loving the Father, on and on, around and around, forever and ever in eternity past. Think about it. When nothing else existed but God alone, God was living in love, giving and receiving love continually in the three persons of the Holy Trinity. And this creation, 
Your creation, in fact, was born of God's desire to share that love more broadly. And so he calls all of mankind to come to him, to know him, to yield to him, and to enter into his love in order to share that love with him and with others. Hence those two great commandments Jesus reminded us about. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Love God. Love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I share all of that this morning with you very simply to remind you that God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one in some very real, unique, and eternal way. They're not the same, but they are one. Just as Jesus and the Father are not the same, but they are, in fact, one. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. In John 14, 9, he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, as persons in the Holy Trinity, Jesus and the Father are distinct. The Bible says right now they're seated on separate thrones in heaven. But as God, Jesus and the Father are one, just as Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. And there's even a hint of that reality in this Matthew 28 passage we read. The instruction of the passage we read is, go and make disciples. But the promise of the passage we read is this, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I don't know how much thought you've given to that promise, but it's a promise to be with you forever. Ostensibly, it's a promise never to leave you. And it's a promise the Lord Jesus made right before he left. It's a promise made, very possibly, right around the time recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, where the Bible says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Right after that, two angels appeared and said, this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So what do we do with that? Jesus said, I am with you always, then immediately left to go to the Father. How do we make sense of that? The answer is we make sense of it through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus keeps his promise to be with you always through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, Jesus promises to be present with you always in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Christians sometimes say, Jesus is in my heart. But the Bible's clear. Jesus is in heaven. As the Word made flesh, as God incarnate, Jesus has an actual body, a body that can be seen, a body that can be touched. And the Bible says right now, Jesus in that body is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So is it wrong for you to say that you have Jesus in your heart? No, I don't think it's wrong at all. Because if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, He does live inside you right now through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as true God is able to bring Christ as true God somehow literally into your life because He and Jesus are one. And again, that's my first point this morning. That God the Son and God the Spirit though different, are one. 
So given their unique relationship within the Godhead, how did they interact during the initial earthly ministry of the Word made flesh? I'm glad you asked. Because, listen, if you love the Lord Jesus and the work of the Lord Jesus, then you have to love the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible makes it clear they are inseparable. He was right here. The Holy Spirit was right here with Jesus all along, doing the work of God with him and through him. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes. And I'm just going to give you a list of the interactions, the ways, some of the ways the Holy Spirit worked with Jesus during his initial public ministry. Number one, as we've already noted, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one as two uh, persons of the Holy Trinity. Number two, when it came time for God the Word to come into the world as a man, to become flesh and dwell among us, when that time came, he was conceived. That is, he was given a physical human body by the Holy Spirit. As the angel told Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the Father sent the Son into the world, He did it through the agency of the Spirit. Number three, later on when the time came for the incarnate Lord Jesus to embark on His public ministry, He was anointed for that ministry by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. When the apostle Peter went and shared the good news of the gospel with Cornelius and his household, he spoke of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Number four, the Lord Jesus himself understood his mission as connected to and dependent upon the person and working of the Holy Spirit. On one occasion, Jesus was in Nazareth. He entered, Nazareth. He entered into a synagogue. He got out the scroll, and he read about himself part of the words from Isaiah 61. And this is what Jesus read. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But Jesus introduced Himself with the words, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Numbers 5 and 6. During His earthly sojourn, the Lord Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, day by day, faithfully going wherever the Spirit directed him to go. Luke records in his gospel, chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Number seven, it was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to do the things he did in his ministry. Again, Luke tells us after his temptation in the wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. In fact, Jesus himself said in, in, in Matthew chapter 12, he said his ability 
to drive out demons, to cast out demons, came through the working of the Holy Spirit, saying, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Number eight, the very words, did I miss number eight? Number eight, the very words Jesus spoke on earth were given to him by the Holy Spirit. John says he is sent by God. He speaks God's words for God gives him the Spirit without limit. In fact, even the things Jesus shared with and taught and commanded his disciples were given to him by the Holy Spirit. Luke points that out in his introduction to the book of Acts, writing, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Everybody knows Jesus taught and instructed and and led his disciples. But did you know that he did that through the Holy Spirit? And finally, and ultimately, number nine, when the Lord Jesus laid down his life going voluntarily to death on the cross, it was the Holy Spirit who vindicated him, resurrecting him from the dead. The apostle Peter wrote, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul adds that he, Jesus, through the Spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So just to review, I want to make sure you catch this. The Lord Jesus Christ, the centerpiece of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ is one with the Holy Spirit, was conceived in the flesh by the Holy Spirit, was anointed for ministry through the Holy Spirit, understood his his mission in terms of the Holy Spirit, was filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered through the Holy Spirit, was given words to speak from the Holy Spirit, and was ultimately vindicated and resurrected by the Holy Spirit. All of which means, very simply, if you love the Lord Jesus and the work of the Lord Jesus, then you love the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, even if you never knew you did. Because the two of them are inseparable in that regard. The work of the Lord Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit are inseparable. And with that thought in mind, I want to close up this morning uh, just by looking very quickly at the chief work for which we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Namely, the work of seeking and saving the lost. We call Jesus Savior and Lord because that is exactly who He is. Even His earthly name, Jesus, literally means the Lord saves. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who came to earth and offered Himself as our ransom. The Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay for our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ who then rose from the dead offering new life to anyone who would trust in him. Every Christian worth his salt knows all those things about the Lord Jesus. But what about the Holy Spirit? What does he have to do with any of that? What role does he play in your salvation or the salvation of the people you're praying for? Let me make another list. Number one, just to get things started, it's the Holy Spirit who calls people to come. The Apostle John writes in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Number two, it's the Holy Spirit who sends people your way in order to help move you toward belief in Christ. 
The Lord Jesus, when he was here, uh, encouraged us to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest field, for laborers to come and share the gospel. And it is the Holy Spirit who answers that prayer, who sends and guides people to you. Consider, for example, um, Acts chapter 8, verse 29, where the Bible says, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. The ultimate result of that sending was the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. Or in Acts chapter 10, where it says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Do not hesitate to go with them. The ultimate conclusion of that sending was the salvation of Cornelius and his whole household. Jesus said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest field. And it is the Holy Spirit who answers that prayer, sending people to you. Number three, in sending laborers your way, it's the Holy Spirit who moves and anoints them to share the gospel with you. That's what the Apostle Peter means when he refers to the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. Number four, it's the Holy Spirit who reveals truth and then gives you understanding of that truth. Three times in in, uh, John 14 and 16, he's called the Spirit of Truth, uh, sent here to guide you into all truth. But he also, in addition to giving you truth, helps you understand that truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says that he's the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. And that's a really big deal because it goes on to say, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? Basically, that means this. If the Holy Spirit doesn't help you understand the gospel, you're not going to understand the gospel. Number five, somewhere in that process of bringing you the truth and helping you understand the truth, explaining the truth, it's the Holy Spirit who points you to Jesus. And Jesus said as much when he said, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Number six, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts you of sin and of your need for salvation in the first place. Again, Jesus said in John 16, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to help you realize you need God. And you can't get there on your own. So, the Holy Spirit calls you to come. He sends people to you. He moves them to share the gospel. He reveals the truth. He helps you understand the truth. He points you to Jesus. He convicts you of your sin. And number seven, he gives you the faith you need to believe. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And if you respond in, in, in faith to all of that grace, then number eight, it is the Holy Spirit himself who actually makes you born again. Paul wrote to Titus and said, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And it was the Lord Jesus who said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. From that point, number nine, he comes to indwell the believer. 
In fact, Romans 8, 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Number 10, by his presence in the believer, he seals the born-again child of God, acting as a guarantor for what's still to come. Paul writes, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Finally, number 11, in that role as seal and guarantor, the Holy Spirit keeps and sustains you in your walk with Christ. As Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 5.5, 5, by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. In other words, it is the Spirit of God who sustains you and keeps you in your hope while you wait for the fullness of the kingdom of God to come. So, if you're here this morning, and you are a genuine, born-again child of God. Give thanks and glory to God. Glory to God the Father who willed it all. To God the Son who accomplished it all. And to God the Holy Spirit who took the will of God and the work of Jesus and made them powerfully effective in your life. It's amazing how much work the Holy Spirit did just to get you here today and really to get you ultimately into the fullness of God's kingdom. Praise be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray.